So welcome. Welcome to worship at Seattle Mennonite Church. We are grateful for all who are joining us this morning. And we do know that some of us are joining from far away. Not everyone is from here in the Seattle area. So we especially welcome those joining from a distance. We continue our season of worship in the Easter tide. It is the fifth Sunday in Easter. We continue to remember that thankfully, thankfully, death does not have the word that life and hope continue to grow and we need that now more than ever. And it is also our Leadership Discernment Sunday. Uh, many of you will have read in your e-communicators this past week that uh, we're entering to, into this time of doing discernment together as a community of who we want to call into leadership roles in our congregation. Um, Pastor Megan wrote something about that in a newsletter this week. Looking toward uh, fall when folks are invited into leadership council, into leadership on councils and uh, spiritual leadership team, and we will give thanks and bless those folks into those roles. Uh, you'll be given a link in the chat, uh, maybe even now, I'm not following the chat. There's probably a link in your chat that you can go, and if you can multitask, you can go to that link right now and start looking at some of the roles that we're, we're entering into discernment about at this time. Uh, and then also, of course, watch for your communication from the church during this week. And uh, it'll show up in the podcast notes as well. So we'll give you plenty of opportunities to find that, that, that information. Regardless of where we are across the city or across the nation, we are gathered on the land of First Peoples. And of course, here in the Seattle area, that is the Duwamish tribe. And we're so grateful for our relationship with the Duwamish and invite you to support them however you can during this time they like. They, like so many communities, are, uh, are needing our support. And as we continue our worship, we are going to begin with song. Michael is going to lead us in our first hymn. Yeah, so this is a song uh, from Cameroon, which uh, Lisa was reminding me we landed one time on a trip for MCC. And the most memorable thing I remember about it, I, it was that we the, the 727 couldn't take off because we had to negotiate for gas. The pilot had to negotiate with the airport to get gas. And when they finally agreed on a price, then they filled it up and we took off, which was unusual. So I need to go back and get a better memory of it. But <laughs> he came down that we may have love. He came down that we may have love. Came down that we may have love. Came down that we may have love. Hallelujah forevermore. Came down that we may have peace. Came down that we may have peace. Came down that we may have peace. Hallelujah forevermore. Came down that we may have joy. Came down that. We may have joy, the kingdom that we may have joy, hallelujah, forevermore. First verse again. The kingdom that we may have love, the kingdom that we may have love, the kingdom that we may have love, hallelujah, forevermore, hallelujah, forevermore. Thank you, Michael. 
I invite you all into joining me in the call to worship this morning. Uh, Pastor Megan will speak the response on your behalf, and you are welcome to join. Your response is, Alleluia, come Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will receive power, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Alleluia, come Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Alleluia, come Holy Spirit. May we worship our Creator through the power of the risen Christ, knowing that the Spirit draws us together. Alleluia, come Holy Spirit. We light a peace candle each week to acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's desire for a just peace for all of creation. Today, I call to mind with Christian peacemaker teams, the Iraqi Kurdistan, uh, from Iraqi Kurdistan, the 10th anniversary of the death of Kurdish student and journalist and activist, uh, Sardasht Osman. We pray for his family this morning who could not gather in memorial on this anniversary. We pray for safety and protection for all journalists who put themselves in the way of danger to expose truth and to uh, name injustice. Um, together we pray. We long for peace. We pray for peace. We choose to live for peace. Peace be with you and also with you. Um, for our children's time this morning, I was thinking about uh, the way God calls us into leadership and the many gifts that all of us bring to our congregation. Even though we're apart, we still gather as leaders. And when I was thinking about the way that God puts gifts in, into each of us, I thought about this book called Maybe God is Like That Too. It's about a little boy and his grandmother, and as the boy proceeds through his day, he begins to see gifts that God has given to the people in his life and experience God through other people in his life. It's called Maybe God is Like That Too. It's by Jennifer Grant and illustrated by Benjamin Shipper. Make sure everybody can see. I live in the city where the sidewalks and subway cars and buildings and buses are packed with people. Grandma, does God live in the city? I ask one morning at breakfast. Yes, God is here, she says. You just need to know where to look. Wherever you see love, joy, and peace, God is there, she says, stirring her tea. Wherever there's patience and kindness and goodness, God is there too. When you see faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, that is God's spirit at work. On the way to school, I'm on the lookout. I see a bus full of tourists and count 10 bright yellow taxis. 
I spy a man sweeping a stoop and grandma and I laugh when we see a tiny dog in a fluffy purple sweater. At school, grandma hands me my lunch and hugs me close before she says goodbye. That's what love looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. On the swings, I pump so hard. I see over the wall and into the alley. My friends shout, higher, higher, and my feet fly way up in the sky. That's what joy looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. Outside, car horns blast and sirens scream, but my classroom is quiet. That's what peace looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. I try to tie my shoes, but the laces tangle around my fingers. My teacher sits down beside me and shows me how to tie them. That's what patience looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. On the way home, I see a doorman wearing a red cape and a hat with a shiny brim. He's holding the door for a man using a wheelchair. The man moves very slowly and the doorman chats with him and smiles. That's what kindness looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. While I'm setting the table for dinner, there's a knock at my door. It's our neighbor from downstairs bringing us a loaf of bread. It's golden brown and warm and wrapped in a thin white towel. That's what goodness looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. I know what that feels like because uh, I have been delivered bread before and it, it is pretty delicious. After dinner, I work on my homework while grandma stands at the kitchen sink washing dishes and humming to herself, just like she does every single night. That's what faithfulness looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. At bedtime, Grandma sits by my bed, at the edge of my bed, singing me a lullaby and stroking my head. She tucks my blankets up close to me. That's what gentleness looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. I lie in bed watching the curtains flutter. I want to talk about that dog we saw today and how high I can swing, but grandma says that once I'm tucked in, I have to stay in bed until morning. I close my eyes and try to fall asleep. That's what self-control looks like to me. And maybe God is like that too. I saw God over and over again today, wherever I saw love and joy and peace and wherever there was patience, and kindness and goodness. When I saw faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, I saw God's spirit at work. I don't see God the way I see my friends or the streetlights 
or the river, but I see signs of God's spirit all around me right here in the city. I know that God, what God is like. Maybe I can be like that too. One of the reasons that I like this book so much is because lots of times we hear about God being present in nature or in, you know, flowers and trees and God, we absolutely see God when we see the beauty of creation. But I also like to think about the way God shows up in people or in the way we see community or how we are kind to each other. And we have to be creative about that kindness sometimes, especially now when we can't, uh, we can't be up close to each other but i think that god can show up through us in so many ways and that's one of the things that i really love about this book is what how it shows where god is present in each of us even in the city even in the moving around that we do uh from day to day in our homes and going grocery shopping and things like that i'm really grateful that god shows up here and not just somewhere out in the mountains or going camping because this is where we're stuck right now. And we're going to continue our worship praising God with the words hallelujah, and Michael's going to lead us in our next song. Halle, 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 hallelujah. Halle, 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 Two scriptures this morning. First, Acts 18, 1 through 4. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they worked together. By trade, they were tent makers. Every Sabbath, he would argue in the synagogue and would try to convince Jews and Greeks. And now 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that all of you should be in agreement and that there should be no divisions among you, but that you should be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God within us, for the word of God among us, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Last week we heard a portion of Acts, toward the end of Acts, um, in which Paul was putting together, assembling a community of Jesus followers. Oh, here comes Rogue. Oh my goodness, my cat just wants to be in on the action when I share scripture reflections. Okay, she's going again. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so last week it was Thessaloniki, Thessaloniki, um, where Paul was establishing a new community of Jesus followers. And, um, and then he is, of course, in communication with that um, community by writing letters, which we know as First and Second Thessalonians in our New Testament. And today was similar, a uh, parallel story of Paul starting a community in Corinth. And then, of course, he is in communication once he, he departs that community. He's in communication with them um, by letter through the, uh, what we know as First and Second Corinthians in the New Testament. So those are the texts <clears throat> or that, that I hold, um, the Acts text and then the beginning of the first letter of that community that he began in Corinth. Those are the texts. I'm holding that in one hand, and in my second hand, I'm holding our leadership discernment. And I don't know, maybe Amy, you would be willing to post into the chat box one more time the link to that form. Because if you want to multitask and start filling out your leadership discernment form while I am speaking, I bless you to do that. Were we together in person, we would do what we did last year for the first time and intend as our new practice of discernment, which is to devote time in our worship to the discernment of our leaders, because it is that important. It is that important to us that we discern well who is being called into new leadership positions among us. So I'm holding those in the two hands and then looking for connections. So that's what I'm gonna share today, is where I see connections between those texts and our practice of leadership discernment this morning. Um, 
But before I go any further, I want to say real honestly that I'm pretty devastated this morning. Some of you know that I am grieving the loss of a dear, dear one in my life, um, our beloved Aunt Dort, who passed away on Friday after being on a ventilator for nearly two weeks when our family had to make the very difficult decision to remove uh, the ventilator and all life support and allow her um, to die. Um, so that's where I am. Uh, I know I'm not alone in this gathering, and we'll name this in prayers later today, but I know Julie Van Pelt, who I don't see right now on my screen, but I saw your name pop up. I think you're here. Julie's father also passed away peacefully this morning. Um, and we're, of course, not the only two who are grieving, even if you are not in the throes of acute grief because of a particular person that you loved who has died recently. There's just a lot of grief all around, um, pretty chronic collective grief. So I'm raw, and my reflections this morning will also be raw. <laughs> These will not be the most um, pristine reflections, shall we say. Um, but I did, uh, I did ponder what a sermon in a sentence might be this morning. I didn't do it a couple weeks ago, the last time that I shared reflections, um, but I circled back to it. And my sermon in a sentence this morning is, it's not about you. And it's all about you. It's not about you. And it's all about you. So leadership um, does not meaning have, having all of your crap together all the time. Um, I certainly do not have all my crap together all the time. Most of the time I don't. I definitely don't this morning. Um, being a leader doesn't mean having everything in order so that you can show up in some kind of pure form. But it does mean bringing your whole self and the whole truth and the whole reality of um, what it is that you're experiencing, showing up as your whole self. And being a leader means different things at different times. I didn't ask her permission. I'm sure it's okay. I, Rebecca reminded me recently um, that it was a little over three years ago now that I first, uh, I initiated a discernment process with her, um, exploring whether she might accept a call into um, a three-year term as our next congregational chair. She reminded me of that conversation. Um, apparently one of the things she said to me was, well, Adam and I are thinking about maybe having a child in that time. Like we'd like to do that sooner than later. And of course, even if you want to, who knows? I mean, who knows? But that's a thing that we long for and not sure how that would fit with being congregational chair. And I said, great, that's super exciting news. And if and when you have a child, then we will release you. And you can have a break from being congregational chair for as long as you need to. And other people will step up. We got you. Um, and so she said yes. And then she had a child and we did release her. And um, I've seen that over and over in my five years here, that when something comes up and someone needs to be spotted for a minute, we spot you for a minute. Somebody else steps in to fill the gap, or 
we just we realize something that we were working on that we thought was important can actually go to the back burner and it's really okay to let it go for a minute and i think that's what leadership means at its best it's not up to one of us um, but up to all of us somehow to hold it together so it's not about you and it's all about you We're doing leadership discernment today and will be for the next week and a half. We're hoping to have your responses by Wednesday the 20th so that then group of six of us, the chairs of the various leadership bodies and me will get together and we'll look at all the needs and all the gifts and do our best to do some good discernment about who to invite into new positions. Um, and because Rebecca, I mentioned, is coming to the end of her three-year term and we thought congregational chair, that's a big role. Maybe we need a little more time. So last year, even though she was not cycling off yet, you may recall that we actually invited input. And so we started our, con our discernment process earlier this spring for our next congregational chair. Uh, and I am thrilled this morning to share with you that Greg Thiessen has discerned a yes to a three-year term as our next congregational chair. <laughs> and I, uh, Greg, I think you're there somewhere. Oh, there I see you. Yep. Um, you don't have to do the dance that you did for me. I have a great story about Greg and a dance and saying yes. If you want to ask me some other time, I will tell you. Um, but I did ask Greg because I think it fits with these reflections about leadership and being in it together. Um, to share briefly a, a story, a significant story. For, from him for his discernment. Go for it, Greg. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks, Megan. I had no idea that this was gonna fit together so well. Mm -hmm. um, when Megan first asked me about this, it was back beginning of March when she sent me a cryptic email asking to get together for lunch, back when you can get together for lunch. Um, and so I considered it for a couple weeks, did some good um, discernment with Rebecca. So thank you, Rebecca, for your input and advice. And then I put it on the mental shelf for over a month and didn't think about this because everyone's lives changed. And I mentally picked it up um, last month, the week of joint councils meeting and noticed that I was sort of dreading going to this joint council Zoom meeting and having to think about a just peace Zoom meeting that I was going to lead. And I was sort of observing that I just was not into it. I was dreading it. And that was kind of interesting to note as I was considering congregational chair, like why would I consider congregational chair if this was something I was dreading. And then I called into the meeting on Wednesday night and all of that was just a mental 180. It just shifted. It didn't feel like work anymore. It felt like nourishment that was calling in and seeing 20 other people there on the same call talking about things that are important to all of us and it just was a huge relief um, so that shift was important for me to um, notice that this work doesn't feel like work when it's in community with you all with people that i love so that was sort of the last noticing i had before i was like yep i can say yes to this i can say yes to three more years of <laughs> of joint council meetings because it's with you all thanks greg Really appreciate you sharing that story. So in Paul's letter 
to the Corinthians that we heard the first part of, thanks to Mike this morning. He talks about, he includes this list of baptizers, people in the community then that others begin to associate with. They begin to associate with the person who baptized them. So there's this factionalism. People are claiming Paul or Apollos or Cephas and really identifying with the, with the leader that happened to be in the role that baptized them. And then this factionalism starts to, to spread in the community. And as you continue to read Corinthians, you can see that. You can see the, the, the quarreling, the infighting. And, and it's understandable. They're, they're all trying to figure this out. Jesus has been gone for not that long. And they're forming the first Jesus-following communities. And so it is wouldn't fault them for this. It's pretty natural to be like, no, you guys have it wrong. We've got it right. This is how it's supposed to be. And so there's this factionalism that develops, but very specifically um, identified with these particular individual leaders. And Paul is writing and saying, no, that's, that's not it. It's not about the one leader. It's not about Rebecca. It's not about Greg. It's not about me. It's not about any particular named leader at any particular time. It, it, it's about what is at our center. And he keeps calling them back to Christ. Has Christ been divided? No, Christ is at the center. And ideally, in our best work still is. That's still what we're about as a church, is trying to figure out how this Jesus way and this good news gospel message and witness that we have, um, how that gets lived out today in our time in our place what does it mean for us to follow jesus together now given our context <laughs> i'm just saying the nafsikers what about mennonites yeah i have our name from a guy here here for another time let's put a pin in it <laughs> uh, so that's what paul is calling them back to is that center. And it's part of why in our leadership, it's important that we rotate leadership and people take on three-year terms. And, and if somebody discerns needing to leave before a three-year term is up, we work with that too, because we gotcha. We got one another. Um, but we keep rotating leaders too, so that we can continually be in the flow of keeping following the Jesus way at our center and then different incarnations of us around and holding that and bringing our unique voices and perspectives and relating to one another. Um, it's not dependent, our work is not dependent on any one of us, thanks be to God, but it is simultaneously utterly dependent on each one of us. So it's not about you and it's all about you. It's simultaneously dependent on each one of us at any given time, being here, showing up with our whole self, with our real self, with all the stuff that we carry that isn't figured out yet, um, ready to step in and be part of the we. So I'm really excited to see what the Holy Spirit has in store for us, as some of you will certainly join Greg in discerning a yes to an upcoming invitation. Um, probably the email from me or someone else will be less cryptic, uh, will be clear in our invitations <laughs> coming up. I'm really excited to see what the Holy Spirit has in store for us as we continue this discerning together and um, keeping that 
that that mission, that goal, that vision of figuring out what it means to follow Jesus, how to embody that call um, in this time and this place together as a community. Um, and know that we got you because it's not about you and it's all about you. Thanks be to God for the we that we are. Amen. Well, folks, let's take in a breath. Ah. Take in another breath. Let it out with a big sigh. Ah. Just notice your experience of isolation whether there's uncertainty, fear, deep grief, an unsettled, I gotta get out of here. <sighs> or if there is celebration, if there is peace within you, if there is hope. <sighs> And invite anyone to name your prayers in the chat box and I will read them. Let us pray together. God who dwells in the balance of our terror and our awe, we come expecting what is knowable, tangible, and we are met with an empty uncertainty. We trust you to send your spirit to inhabit the space before us and between us. So that as we raise our prayers in faith, they will be met by the love of a risen Christ. On this Mother's Day, we give you thanks, God, our Mother God, for giving us life and adopting us into your beloved family. We grieve our beloved mamas lost this year. We place in your care those who have longed to be parents and for whom it has not been possible. And we give thanks and praise you for all the mamas in our lives, those who birthed us, those who have raised and cared for us, those who have nurtured and tended us. We pray that your face will shine on and bless all the mothering ones. As we enter a third month of isolation in our homes, we begin to grieve in new ways and further begin to understand that life will never go back to the way it was. It is becoming clear that life on the other side will be indelibly and irrevocably changed. We pray in our grief that we may stay open to multiple visions of the future, that we may claim our agility and our adaptability. And we pray especially for those for whom isolation 
will not be over for a long time to come. Even after this time ends for many of us. We ask for your protection for our community. Keep us safe from violence, harm, and sickness. May isolation bring out the best in us rather than the worst. May we continue to stand with those most vulnerable in our midst and make decisions about gathered community with those beloved in our hearts. We hold the uncertainty of the future with an easy focus. We are grateful for the hope in the college decisions made by Sage and Sam and know that colleges are making challenging decisions about a fall return and how to keep people safe. We give thanks for our spiritual leadership team and the time spent in virtual gathering yesterday. Bless the discernment of SLT and its work of offering leadership to our congregation. We hold in your discerning wisdom the leadership bodies of Evergreen Mennonite and our own congregation. Guide SLT and Evergreen's Leadership Council as we work together to find a way forward that you would desire for our communities and the Mennonite Voluntary Service property. We praise you, God, today for Sarah Lynn and David Johnsey who give thanks for the best possible outcome for Miles in his surgery on Monday, that the holes in his heart have been fully closed with the minimal possible invasion. We are grateful for the skilled doctors and caregivers and healers who have attended to them and Miles. Continue to bless him and speed his recovery. We pray together with all of the Pacific Northwest Mennonite Church and Pastor Angel Campos and his family as they grieve the death of Angel's brother Jimmy to COVID. Be with the family as they grieve not only Jimmy's death, but their despair, that because of the contagion, he had to die alone. God, we ask that you be today with Pastor Megan and John, in grieving the death of John's beloved Aunt Dort. Comfort and care for their family through this impossibly difficult loss. We pray with Julie Van Pelt and her family as they mourn the loss of her dad who died early this morning. Be near to them on this day of sorrow and in this time of isolation. May your peace be known, bring calm in the midst of overwhelming grief. May Jake rest in peace eternally with you. God, we hold in the light, the love of Vern Willis, our neighbor and friend who had a brief hospitalization this week. Bring him healing and well-being. With Rita, we pray for her spiritual companion and friend, Ardeen, that she may have wisdom and courage. 
And now from the chat box. From Beth, we're so grateful to have her mom, Elaine, join us for worship this morning. This is one of the blessings of Zoom Church. We pray with Elizabeth that her sister in Arizona sends prayers for anyone in our church who may have family in Glendale. There has been an outbreak at a home there. We also rejoice with Elizabeth in her retirement. Her last day of work was yesterday. With Annalena, we pray for her sister, Myra, Magnus's mom. She was furloughed last week. With Karis, Kareth and Candice, we pray for the good friend who is in deep despair over a relationship and the order of her life being broken by this crisis. For Ahmad, Arbery, and the long list of African Americans just since Michael Brown and Trayvon Martin, who have been killed by police and vigilantes and have not received justice through the courts. We hold in love the mother of Ahmed and all his family and friends as they grieve his death, the senseless murder of a beautiful black man by the hands of two white men. May we participate in undoing racism and toppling white supremacy. From Nancy, grateful for her children, Kean and Annika, and her mother, Carolyn, all three bring such joy. From Annalena, for our many children making life-changing decisions at this time. Prayers for Uncle Conrad who died on Thursday in his home in Nambia. Prayers especially for his children who are spread all over the globe, Australia, Thailand, Germany, and South Africa. Because of COVID, no one from the family can travel to mourn his loss and celebrate his life. May they, may we find other ways to find, find ways to connect and support each other as we grieve wherever we are in the world. And also for our amazing teachers, we give thanks for the ways that parents are juggling things, teachers who are also parents are juggling things, students and children. Ah, we ask for your prayers, for all those prayers spoken and unspoken. May the Spirit of God who goes before us, who follows at our back, who breathes within each of our bodies, and who dwells in the body of the church, be our comfort and our companion. 
In the name of the risen Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people together say, Amen. Amen and amen. As we continue our worship, it is also in a prayer of blessing and thanksgiving. With gratitude for all of the offerings that each of you make in the many ways that you do that without the ability to put it, put your dollars into offering plates. Today we give thanks for the many ministries of the leaders of our congregation and the way that the money that you share, that we share together, upholds and uplifts those ministries. Uh, our closing song for worship today, again, Michael is going to lead us, and it is one of his songs, and I'm sure he can say more about his own song. Uh, yeah, so this is a, I was reading the Psalms the other day, and um, the song just came to me. Um, and it uh, turns out that the Reunion Vocal Band, which some of you know if you've been around a long time, they played at church one time. It's a, a band I was part of and still get together uh, with the people um, at least once a year. Now we've been doing Zoom meetings. But um, we're going to, that band, we're all going to do one of those videos where you, you know, everybody does their thing at home and then we mix it all together. So, and we're going to use this song. So thought I'd teach it to you. It's very simple. Um, and I'll, I'll sing the first part of the, I'll sing the first verse. Uh, well, it's hard to tell what a verse is. And I'll just do it and then you'll get it. So it starts out like this. Be our strength in times of trouble. Bring us into your hands. Be our strength in times of trouble gather us into your hands we'll do that part again be our strength in times of trouble bring us into your hands be our strength in times of trouble Gather us into your hands. Hear the cry of the poor and orphan. Bring them into your hands. Lord, break the power of the oppressors. Take them into your hands. In your hands, in your hands, take them into your hands. Lord, break the power of the oppressors. Take them into your hands. Be our strength in times of trouble. Bring us into your hands. Be our strength in times of trouble. Bring us into your hands. As I was seeing that, I reflected with gratitude that 
uh, both we and the oppressors are gathered into God's hands. In our time of trouble, may we and all people and all of creation be gathered into the loving hands of God. And may we know ourselves loved and blessed and cared for in times of trouble. Amen. Go and also stay. <laughs> and I had already unmuted, so you heard my laugh. <laughs> Amen. May it be so. Go and stay. <laughs> <laughs>